I'm Emily Schramm, the ultimate meathead hippie. Welcome to the show. something new today and I have had a few people submit some questions and two of them keep coming up and I think they are so important to talk about and they're really nerdy but I love talking about them and so this is all about adrenals and why salt might be the answer for your fatigue in the morning if you are exhausted and waking up and hating life and also about PCOS and not just PCOS, which is polycystic ovarian syndrome, but with hormone health and with, um, when we're looking at the big picture with insulin and carbohydrates and how much we should eat and how, how little we should eat and blah, everyone's saying something else. Why I feel the way I do about insulin and the carbohydrates and what is right for you. And I hope you guys have some great insight. The first question today is, um, actually from a dear friend, Sapria. So Sapria and I have gone way back and she texted me this and I was like, ah, oh, I have the answer. So this is for all my people that are really tired and exhausted and have maybe heard about salt in your water and should you do it or should you not take a listen? Hey, Em, it's up. Um, I just wanted to ask you a question about salt. <laughs> I want, I was wondering if you knew if there was any type of relationship between salt and fatigue. And the reason I'm asking is because, you know, I'm always just like completely fatigued and exhausted at work. I just feel like a zombie all the time. And the other day I put some salt in my water and I noticed that I perked up, which was really weird because normally I don't get that kind of response from anything unless it has caffeine in it, but I can't drink caffeine because it gives me migraines. So I was curious if you knew like if there's any type of correlation between salt intake and fatigue and you're the expert. So I knew if anyone had info, it would be you. I am such a believer in figuring out where your adrenals are. Even if you don't feel like you have issues with adrenals, we kind of all will at some point. You know, for me, I got into adrenals because when I was becoming a nutritional therapy practitioner, I actually hit the most exhausted I've ever been in my life. And I didn't know what was going on. I was just in the middle of school. I was studying. I was becoming more emotional. I really felt like my muscle definition started to go away. It was harder for me to see results. I couldn't get out of bed. I felt like I couldn't wake up till 3 PM, even if I had a copious amount of coffee. And there's just something really true when people say I'm exhausted. It's sometimes more than just taking a vitamin D supplement. So I want to explain adrenals and what they do. I'm going to try to keep this 10 minutes or less because we can go on and on and on about this, but I really do. I mean, I have so many resources that I'll name at the end for you to dig in a little bit more. So what the adrenals are, they sit on top of our kidneys. They're really tiny and they are not just are adrenaline. So adrenals, root word, adrenaline, but they are our survival hormones. So they produce cortisol, which we always think of as bad, but it's not bad. It keeps us alive. And so with a natural cortisol rhythm, 
anyone's pattern. It's highest in the morning and it slowly decreases throughout the day. So we feel awake in the morning, especially if we see the sunlight, especially if we're working with our patterns of the sun. We wake up, we feel alive and good, and then as cortisol slowly starts to come down, melatonin, our sleepy hormone, increases, and we get sleepy, and now we want to go to bed. That's ideal, right? It doesn't happen that way. I actually just did a segment on Denver 9 News about how to naturally increase melatonin, not by taking a melatonin supplement, because then we're just messing up the paradigm. What are we doing? We're really, the root issue is our cortisol levels, not our melatonin. And there might be some exceptions, of course, but for the most part, when I see someone that cannot fall asleep at night, it's not because melatonin is having an issue. It's because cortisol is too much alive. So what do we do? There's two patterns we need to explain. The first pattern is higher cortisol. So this can be kind of confusing, and this is why this adrenal challenge that I do, I really dig into patterns to try to help figure out your pattern. Honestly, the best way to figure out your pattern is to get a Dutch test or to get, it's a dried urine test. You can pee on it. Saliva is helpful, but it's not as accurate because it's not metabolized cortisol, but you can definitely get this tested to see where your cortisol is. Blood cortisol is not a good indicator of your body's cortisol. So anyway, we have higher cortisol and, you know, obviously we want it to be a little bit higher during the, in the morning, but if it's still high throughout the day and especially at night, then we have an issue. So that looks like basically people that get injured all the time. Maybe somebody that's still craving sugar, feels really stressed or anxious, or you clench your jaw, you have anxiety inside and you don't really know why. And you're kind of always high strung. A really good indicator of high cortisol is the people, their sleep patterns where they're maybe like never tired, but when they hit the bed, they are knocked out or they'll fall asleep anywhere. And they like the whole drooling, falling asleep quickly thing. Um, that's a big I, when I tell that to people and it's them, they're like, oh my God, that's me. Like, I'm not really that tired until I'm tired and I can fall asleep anywhere because you're never letting your system come down. Um, so those are some issues of higher cortisol. It's huge for people in CrossFit gyms because high cortisol or just cortisol in general is catabolic meaning it breaks things down. So if your whole goal of going to the gym is to build and become jacked as and strong as the, um, you're just working against your body. And so the definition isn't there. You should be seeing more definition for the work you're putting in, but it's just really not happening. And the whole injury thing as well. That's higher cortisol. There's a point where your body is going to shut down. Some people live in the higher cortisol and that's how they've adjusted their life. But what happened with me is after a, a point I hit a couple more things in my life. I added school to the list, going back to become an NTP. Then I added a trip and then I got my wisdom teeth taken out and then I got a bacterial infection. <laughs> and there was only so much cortisol my body could do and it totally tanked. Um, I dropped off and it was just complete exhaustion. I don't even really know how else to describe it except I felt depressed and sad and I felt empty. And I felt no matter how much coffee I could drink, I was like, just not myself. My brain was not working. And this is when we hit that low cortisol. And, you know, this is where people think, you know, especially weight gain, kind of the spare tire around the stomach. This is the thing that I say the most is if you are craving salt or you're not eating salt and you're exhausted, we have to replenish 
are sodium. And when we think about salt, we automatically think stay away from it. But a lot of people, if you're drinking all the water, but we don't have anything to hold on to that water, we have nothing to retain that water, the minerals like sodium, we're just peeing it out. And so we're not actually hydrated. So the quickest trick is to just, when you wake up in the morning, put some salt water, salt in your water. Um, I have a podcast with Stacey Sims on this who talks about electrolytes. I sometimes use noon tablets. You can just use sea salt. She thinks table salt because of the iodine because we kind of are lacking in that. So sometimes I just do lemon, salt, and chug it in the morning, and I'm actually going to be hydrated. And we dig into this more with the podcast with her, so please look it up if you're interested in this. But sometimes less is more. You could drink and drink and drink water, but unless you're holding on to it and your pee is clear, we have a problem. So that's one thing that we can really help. The reason cortisol that's low affects sodium levels is because this hormone aldosterone, which keeps sodium in your body. So when cortisol is low, aldosterone is low, and therefore we can no longer retain sodium. I would not suggest that for somebody with high cortisol because we're going to stress them out even more. But low cortisol, amazing hack that you can do starting today. There's so many other things that I would get into a lot of people with adrenal support, we've heard adaptogenic herbs, which are amazing, but know your pattern before you jump into them. Ashwagandha lowers cortisol. So if you have low cortisol and you're taking ashwagandha, it's maybe not going to do very, very great for you. There's glandulars that we can look at. Ultimately, what you need to see is the source of your adrenal stress. Is it your life? Is it your head? Is it your brain? Is it your emotion? Is it something like flower essences and essential oils and meditation and more sleep? Is, are those factors that could help? Is it the fact that you have too much caffeine in your body, too much caffeine in your system? Maybe you don't even know your energy levels because all you do is drink caffeine. And so you feel good all the time. If you took caffeine out for a day, how would you feel? Let's figure out your energy patterns then. Another thing that I really care about is no issue with adrenals will be fixed until blood sugar is fixed. You have to regulate your blood sugar. So before you're jumping into supplements, even glandulars, which you might not even know what that is, and that's totally okay, you have to balance blood sugar because when blood sugar is low or we get hangry or we drop off and we feel like we're shaky and irritable and all we need to have is food, we eat food and you feel energized by food, that's not a good thing. Maybe you wake up in the middle of the night at 3 a.m. consistently. That's not a good thing. We need to stabilize blood sugar, and the way that we do that is we decrease carbohydrates and sugar, and we increase our fats and proteins and having really good proteins. We also just make sure that we're eating enough. Sometimes people aren't eating enough, um, and I really I love my Macros with M program because we can go over calories and exact macros for your goals. I'm not completely low carb all the time. I think keto is causing adrenal issues, especially for CrossFitters and anaerobic exercise. You need carbs if you're going to do anaerobic exercise. If they're not there your body's going to be really stressed out. And I think low carb has caused in CrossFit athletes, insulin resistance and dysglycemia. So dysglycemia with the blood sugar regulation. So lots of places we can go. And I just, I didn't want to go too long, but I really wanted to give some hacks for you guys to feel like you have a little bit better understanding of adrenals. My adrenal challenge, you can even just email us and we can give you more information. Support at emilystrom.com. 
we can go, I'm going to maybe just list out all the podcasts that I've done with it, but I will say on the top of my head, there was a Q and a that I've done, um, with just me. So it's, I think episode, oh shoot. I don't even have the numbers in front of me. I'm sorry. So this is not helpful, but Dr. Stacy Sims episode, the Q and a with me episode. And then there's so many resources through emilystrom.com. Just email us. All right. Enough on adrenals, although it's always an important topic. And if you have more questions, submit them. Support at emilyshram.com. I love hearing your voice, so we'll teach you how to do it. Or you can just write it down, whatever you're comfortable with. We are going to go into Maria's question. So Maria is going to ask about hormones, PCOS, insulin. What is right? Everyone is saying something else. Listen in on Maria's question. Hi, Em. This is Maria from Chicago. And I'd love to hear you talk about life with PCOS. Um, if there's any long-term advice that you have on how to live a healthier, more um, balanced life, there are so many different schools of thought on how to manage the symptoms. And I, it's hard to try every single one of them and um Wanted to see if there's any recommendations that you may have for dialing in um, as far as working out, nutrition, or any supplements um, that are good and effective for long-term use. Thank you. Maria, that is such a great question. I see PCOS clients a lot. I just It's more and more prevalent, and that could be a lot of different reasons, maybe because there's no, I mean, there's never one road to health and wellness. There's, you know, the angle of stress and lifestyle, and then the angle of food and nutrition, and then the angle of exercise. So I'm going to do my best to kind of give my answer without testing you or without seeing you individually, because so many people have PCOS. And for those who don't know, PCOS, polycystic ovarian syndrome. And it is just, I mean, you know, someone who has it, that it's just guaranteed. If you, even if you don't know, you know, someone, this is something that I am very passionate about because when you have PCOS for multiple reasons, it's very hard to see changes in body composition. It's hard to become pregnant or fertile. It's hard to manage your periods and the symptoms of them. The symptoms of PCOS, usually it's, it's just kind of a word or a, you know, the syndrome to clump people that have some of these symptoms. So those symptoms would be high androgens or high testosterone low progesterone. And that's a big issue that I see in a lot of women. It would also be irregular periods, no periods at all, cysts on your ovaries. It's just a frustrating diagnosis because there really is no answer for it. And just like Maria said, everyone has the solution and what actually is the solution? What do you follow? What's the best route? And so for me and from my nutritional therapy standpoint, there's, you know, lots of ways we can go, but I go to the foundation. So I want to first start with food. When we have too many carbohydrates, we throw off our insulin levels and our insulin sensitivity is so important and we need to have insulin sensitivity. And what that means is when you have something higher carb or when your blood glucose goes up, you need your blood sugar to come back down. And so insulin is what brings that blood sugar back down. When you're constantly going up and constantly going back down, maybe you'll need more insulin to bring it back down. And then our body stops responding to the kind of 
blueprint insulin that it excretes to get that blood glucose to come down. So that's a very complex subject, but when we have to have more and more insulin, but our body's not actually responding to that insulin, then what it's doing is it's telling our body to store. Insulin shuttles glucose out of the bloodstream into the cell. So it's saying, I am going to take this blood sugar and I'm going to put it somewhere. Now, if there's a lot more insulin and your body's not responding to it, it's still saying store, store, store. So it's telling your body to not lose weight. So when you look at insulin, when you look at PCOS, I instantly go to insulin. How is this person responding to insulin? How can I get them to increase their insulin sensitivity? The first thing to do is to lower your overall carbohydrate intake. And this is where it can get tricky because depending on your background, you might already be low enough. And so just a brief overview. And again, this can be really dialed in personally as it should be, but I always have clients around 50 to hundred grams of carbohydrates maximum. I know a lot of people get really great results with keto diets and PCOS, but I have not been sold on the research and with long-term health for women's hormones, especially it just, I just have seen more negative than positive. And so I believe in the high fat diet and I believe that people should eat fat as fuel as their primary fuel source, but completely cutting out carbohydrates in order to get that response isn't necessary. I've seen it go the opposite way. We're too low carb. You know, we maybe had 40 grams or less carbs overall net carbs a day. And then when we have carbs, we're so, we induce a coma, even if it's good carbs, even if it's a starchy carb, like a sweet potato. And that's not my goal here. We don't want to be sensitive to sweet potatoes. That's ridiculous. So, I mean, to each its own. And I will say there's some great people doing keto for PCOS and I've seen great results with it. But for the most part, I think going really extreme keto is just not sustainable. And I don't really feel like I can get behind it. I think it's worth a try, but it's never a long-term solution. So that's one way we want to monitor our carbohydrates, tons of starchy veggies and good veggies and, you know, very limited fruit. Honestly, I just think fruit's kind of a waste. It, it doesn't really do much for us the way it's grown these days. And so I tend to stay away from it unless it's some frozen berries in a smoothie, but I just save them all for veggies and then timing carbohydrates around my workouts. So that way you're getting the benefits of strength training and doing all those strong. I know Maria, you're doing the build program and you're lifting heavy. And so I think it's important to make sure you're fueling appropriately for that. So that's one way we can increase um, our response to insulin is by just changing how much insulin is needed. We need to now lower that carbohydrate intake and make sure that we're monitoring that. The second thing would be exercise. And it's really cool what exercise can do for people that have insulin resistance. And so what I do is I take seven minutes minimum and you get your heart rate up so high, as high as you're comfortable with, actually higher than you're comfortable with for at least seven minutes every day. And that could be, you know, staged in certain intervals, two minutes on, one minute off, two minutes on, one minute off. But if you can make sure for seven minutes, whatever that looks like, it is a high heart rate. And that would be anywhere from 70 to 80% of 20 basically your age minus 220. So 220 minus, we'll say you're 30, 220 minus 30, nine, 190 times 
times 0.8, whatever that is. I'm not doing the math, but get at your heart rate that high. That's what you want to do for at least seven minutes every day. That's what I'm a huge believer in. I do think that, um, too much anaerobic exercise, too much CrossFit can be detrimental, especially for adrenal health. And so that ties into hormones more so with cortisol and progesterone, which we'll get into in a second, but I love heart get your heart, get your heart rate high and have fun doing it. That's the most important part is don't do it and be miserable. Do something that you actually enjoy. So that could be Zumba. That could be spin. That could be walking up a hill and pumping those arms. I don't care what it is. You just need to have a smile on your face for at least one of those seven minutes. The other thing I want to dig into for supplements really tying in testosterone and progesterone just to kind of finish it off. And again, I'm not a doctor. I'm a nutritional therapy practitioner and everyone should figure out what works for them. But super exciting because my tea company is almost ready and I have a tea for people with PCOS because there's so many that are coming to me and I just want it. I want a way to make it delicious. Like, let me, let me raise my progesterone and let it taste good while I'm doing it. So I, I love herbal remedies to bring up progesterone. I think that you can really get into wild yam, peony root, um, just lots of fun herbs that are great. Chasberry, the most important one, things that can be really great. I also, when I look at testosterone, resveratrol and um, licorice can be really good at lowering them. And I think that's important. You know, that's resveratrol has been the only thing that I've seen that it has helped like substantially lower testosterone. I sell Resvero on my website through Apex Energetics. It's incredible and it tastes good. It's just a liquid supplement every single day. And then lowering inflammation, making sure your liver is happy. There's no clogged up lymph. You know, when you look at hormone health, it's gut health, it's liver health. And so there's lots of ways we could go with that, but we just want to make sure we're eating really good food, maybe taking a multivitamin. I love the pure encapsulations, multivitamin, and we're also sleeping. We're handling stress really well. The only other supplement that I would suggest would be for insulin resistance. If that is the reason for PCOS, and that would look like you are getting sleepy after meals, you are craving sugar a lot, and you can't lose body fat, berberine three times a day. I'm in love with it. I also sell that on my website. But if you're insulin resist or if you're PCOS and you don't get sleepy after meals, you get more hangry after meals or in between meals, shaky, lightheaded. Um, that's more of a hypoglycemic response. And so then I would really look at, okay, let's, let's monitor blood sugar. Let's help with blood. Let's help with pancreas. And I actually use proglyco SP, which I saw on my site as well for blood sugar support. So I know that was a lot. Always eat real food, get rid of processed foods, get rid of sugars, get rid of the crap that we have in our cabinet. If you need a meal plan, you know, I have I, Maria, you've already done it and I love it. It's the 21 days with M or the M fit challenge. I have so many things that can help you through just workouts on my YouTube to get your heart rate up. And then hopefully that helped a little bit with the hormone health. I think it can be very overwhelming. So finding your pathway and doing what makes sense for you and knowing that it's always a process, but you are not broken. You are amazing. And knowing that PCOS is just, it's not a definition. I think I've seen so many people like carry this burden of, I have PCOS. I have a problem. I have this sickness. And just like I talked about in former podcasts, like mentally, 
We got to get out of that. You know, you know, yes, our hormones are a little off, but that's okay. I mean, we're still wonderful because of it. Honestly, I have PCOS. My testosterone is just slightly a little too much. And sometimes I hate it because there's symptoms of like anxiety and aggression and it's lowering and it's good on the right path. And I have to really keep it at bay with the supplements I talked about, but it also can make me really strong. And so I think I've just tried to really look at the positive, um, outcomes of it and just knowing like my body will regulate if I do what it needs to do. And I think the biggest piece is of finding your happy spot is usually with the carbohydrates. Do I go really low carb or do I not? And I think when I look at insulin and the play that it has in hormones and with just the, the stabilizing of blood sugar and adrenal paradigm that you can, I would say just making sure anywhere from I wouldn't ever go with a PCOS client. I wouldn't ever go over 125 grams of carbs. I would want to keep their carbs anywhere between 50 and 125. I know this is a lot, but I hope you're still listening. And Maria, that was a great question. If you guys have these questions, I would love to do these more. I can even do them in little mini-sodes. So this is two of them. But um, all you have to do is email me, support at emilyshram.com, and we will plug this in. This is so fun to be able to answer the questions you guys have and they can be about anything. I used to do this series on YouTube called Ask M and it was awesome because I did videos, but podcasts are my jam right now. So I'm going to stick with audio recordings. Thank you guys for the questions. And again, if you have them, submit them and I'll see you guys next week. <laughs>